When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Right now, it's Stella's turn. Let me, yeah, there we go. Good morning, Stella. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Um, good morning. I have a big, huge problem. Okay, uh, I have rye, rye grass coming out. Mm-hmm. And in big sections, you know, in my yard. Okay. My yard is like uh, 120 by 40. Okay. And um, I, it's coming up everywhere, in the front and in the back. So what would you, how would you treat this? I've had, um, okay, and I also had True Green and um, another company come out, and they want to do all kinds of stuff. Send them um, away. That's the worst choice you can make. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Okay, that ends one question. But, um so uh, how, they talked about aerating it. What do you think? Well, aerating is always a you know is a doable thing. But uh, let's let's back up just a little bit. What is your basic grass there that all this it's green Saint grass? Augustine. Saint Augustine. Okay. Yes, um, it probably is probably not rye. It's actually probably actually something called Texas winter grass. But the exactly. thing. The thing that you need to know about that is that's all going to die as soon as it gets hot. And okay. it's not worth spending a lot of money. It's not worth putting out toxic chemicals. Um, in my opinion, the best thing you can do is just mow it off. And okay. like I say, as soon as it gets hot, it's going to be gone. Your St. Augustine is just about to come back into growth, and it will work at choking it out. Um, we've all been conditioned to think that, Unless we have this pure monoculture, nothing but St. Augustine, we're failures. And that's just not the way it is. Everybody has some uh, dandelions, some wintergrass, some things like that coming up. But truly, I would just be mowing it off. It's not really hurting anything. And (laughs) look at my yard. If I didn't have some green weeds, I wouldn't have much of anything green out there. So, uh, (laughs) But when it comes to fertilizing, uh, don't go with with those synthetic chemicals products that the the companies you mentioned want to use i mean if you want a guy that'll come out and and do the work and do it right sam sitterly has a company called green grower organics and this is what he does so there are people out there that will take all the work out of it for you but these major chemical companies whether it's scott's or true green or Kimlon or all these they just want to sell you toxic products and kinds of fertilizers that i would not recommend so I, okay. i'm sure not going to do that but in my opinion all you need is a lawnmower and even though 120 by 40 is a big area that's not a whole lot of work uh, and probably good exercise for most of us and uh, amen uh, so yeah. what's the next step after i mow it do i uh, do you mentioned black cow and you mentioned new earth products what would you go first i know that you mentioned uh, the compost what would you do okay the number one thing i do is fertilize and you can do that fertilize. before you mow uh, any and good organic uh, fertilized Medina makes one called Growing Green. Nature's Creation makes one they call Premium Lawn Food. Maestro makes one they call Texas Tea. 
Uh, Ladybug makes a couple of good ones. Any of these organic fertilizers, shop for price and convenience. Uh, I'm, okay. you know, it, I think Medina is going to be the easiest one to find, but uh, it's not the only good fertilizer out there. But just stay with the organics. They're going to be probably okay. less expensive, longer lasting, and they don't destroy the good life in the soil. So that's what I'm going to do first. How did your St. Augustine look last fall? How how good a shape is your grass in? It, it looked good. It looked good. I mean, it wasn't thick. It wasn't like uh, it's 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 kind of low, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, it looked good. But and I and I agree that we mowed and mowed, and the weeds we they disappeared. I yep. kind of like you yep. know. So they I'm came back with. You know, it's uh, the the number one thing to do is fertilize, and that may be all you need to do. Uh, if you, okay, you want to do, you don't want me to aerate it at all. You don't think it needs to? Well, see, and you're asking such great questions. Aerifying is going through and punching holes in the yard, basically to get oxygen into the soil, which is a good thing. When you stay organic. Um, this happens naturally. There's no reason to aerify. Oh. And if it's in the budget to put down some compost, compost softens the ground permanently instead of temporarily. Now, I'm not going to buy anything in bags to do an area that big. I'm going to buy something in bulk. And I, New Earth, their, their manure compost is one of the best ones out there. There are companies like Stone and Soil and some of the others that sell it, as well as New Earth themselves. The problem is none of them spread it, and it's a lot of work to spread. So um, right. it's if it's something that you can do or you have someone that can do for you, uh, compost is a great, great addition, and it'll do more just without anything. It'll do more than the core aerifiers would even think about doing. The main thing core aerifier does is just screw up your sprinkler system and break the heads. And um, Thank you. <laughs> I, you wouldn't believe how many times I see somebody go through with a core aerifier, and the next time I walk by, their sprinkler's coming on and the water's shooting 20 <laughs> feet straight up in the air. But, but your number one thing is going to be fertilizer. Your number two fertilizer. thing is okay. going to mow, and then if it's in the budget and you have time and energy to do it, you know, a good bulk compost would be a very good thing to do. But uh, compost is number three on the list, and it's pretty far down compared to the uh, good organic fertilizer and the mowing. Thank you so very much, Bob. Thank you so much. I'm going to follow your directions. Thank I you, think sir. it'll work for you, Stella. Thank you for <laughs> Thank the call you. this morning. Thank you. Bye-bye. Goodbye. All right. Back to gardening and back to the phone lines. And Richard is up first. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Bob. Nice to talk to you. Well, thank you. Appreciate the call. Well, I live in New Brunfels, and in my backyard I have two oak trees that are almost like twins. They're 30 inches in diameter, and they're only about three to four feet apart. Okay. These are live oaks? These are live oaks. Okay. Yep. Okay. So majestic trees. Love them. Um, built really close to my house, but they were long here before the house was an <laughs> above ground slab. Very good. But um, my question is: before I knew any better, I built a patio around them um, because obviously the grass didn't grow, mm-hmm. and so I left out like a center cutout around the oak trees. Um, and so you scared me the other week whenever you told a caller that you could, if you don't have the root flares exposed, it could eventually lead to trees dying. So. I had about six to eight inches of soil um, that I'd put in that that border area, mm-hmm. and I've since dug in it out Good. and tried to expose the root flares. So my initial thoughts were I'd put Asian jasmine to kind of hide those sprouts that come up, but mm-hmm. I realized that those sprouts are probably trying to tell me that 
maybe it's suffocating or it's not getting <laughs> enough moisture. So my question to you is I've exposed some of the root flare, uh, not as much as I'd like, but is there still anything that I could plant that'd be like a low creeping um, ground cover that wouldn't suffocate it? Because Aiden Jasmine, I feel like, would eventually take over and kind of cover up those root flares. Okay, well, let me uh, let me get straight. Now, your patio that you have built, how far out from the trunks of the tree is this concrete surface? So it's, it's a permeable patio, um, okay. like water can go through the patio, but okay. um, there's only areas of about six to eight inches around, like the closest parts of the trunk. Other areas a little bit more. Uh-huh. Um, so no more than six inches. <laughs> there's, there, I, I really can't think of anything that I would tell you that you have enough room to grow in that area. Um, and air circulation is the important thing. Um, there are some fun things out there. There are uh, some garden benches that are made to like go around a tree that would totally okay. shield the hole underneath it. Um, you sound like a clever guy. You could probably come up with a way, uh, maybe to put a little raised area with, in effect, a wooden deck that kind of is a supplement to your patio, but, uh, would cover up this hole that you're going to have around the tree. But I, I just, I don't think there's anything that you can really plant in there that's going to, to hide it and it always has to remain open and it would be more of a hazard i can always tell you you know plant aspidistra down in there and it's going to come up it's going to make a green growth but it's going to be a a fall hazard anybody that walks too close to the edge of it uh you know and twist her ankle or worse or whatever so i'm going to going to if anything i'm going to expose the root flare a little more and you could do this with an air spade i recognize that sometimes it's it's hard to and believe me you're talking to a guy that has dug more fence post holes and things that you would believe over the years and i've been lying on my chest down there reaching down trying to get the dirt out of the bottom of the hole where i can't get down there with my uh you know with my little post holders but um do even if you have to get somebody with an air spade to come out and finish exposing those flares because these trees are are too valuable to endanger them and you know if you get a heck of a lot of root sprouts that's what the tree's telling you is that it is stressed but uh, i i'd be looking at other options and um again in my mind i can come up with some fun things i could do and what i would probably do is create kind of a second level to your deck with wood, um, I use, uh, I've really fallen in love with this eco vantage wood, although it's a little hard to find, but whatever kind of wood you could build up if you wanted then, if you wanted something green, put a pretty either terracotta or ceramic pot up on top of your little raised platform that you've built. Plant something in that that can go wild growing all around. You can put a little trellis kind of thing up and have uh, Confederate jasmine or something, uh, although it may be too shady underneath there. But uh, there are lots of fun plants that you could plant in there. Uh, for the summer months, you could do begonias, you could do impatience, you could do caladiums, you could do coleus. Uh, I could just think of a lot of ways to make this a very attractive area, but I'm going to be trying to hide that hole rather than trying to plant anything that's going to fill it up, if that makes sense. Yeah, so just not in the dirt is what you're saying. Yeah. So whenever it's just going to be bare dirt, unless to your point, I put something in there. Right. And whenever I was uh, exposing the root flare, I pulled up a lot of 
roots just because they were really ugly looking, but I realized that it was, again, they were probably trying to tell me something. I didn't hurt anything by necessarily doing that, right? Absolutely gonna, not. I would think they're going to come back, right? Yeah. You're, you're doing exactly the right thing, and those are the kind of roots that produce those little uh, root sprouts coming up. But, no, you just have to cut those away with a hori hori knife or, you know, shears or whatever else uh, because those developed after you put the soil around the trunk, and they need to go okay. just like the soil did. Now, real quick, I mentioned that the patio does permeate water through mm-hmm. it, but would you recommend – Do you? so you're a hill country guy, so – they always say deep root water. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And because it'd be really <laughs> tough in my soil out here in no. the country. Your ninety percent of the roots of that tree are out beyond your patio. Your patio extends what fifteen twenty feet away from the trees. Yes. Uh-huh. You know the the roots are twice that far out. Um, you that the water is not nearly as much of an issue as oxygen. Plants have to have oxygen to their root system, and you've done a permeable concrete. You've done the right thing. But the great majority of those trees' roots are way out beyond your patio, and a live oak only needs water in the most severe of droughts. I mean, there's probably a six-month period out of every 10 years that you're even going to have to think about supplementing the water to those trees. So uh, find other things to worry about. Deep root watering is not, not an issue you should be concerned about. Okay. Yep. Trees are healthy, so I don't I don't really have any reason to worry, but yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, you're you're gonna you're gonna do more harm than good trying to perform a surface that the tree doesn't you're need. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, it's too darn much work and too expensive. But uh, no, I think you've got a lot of options there, Richard. Uh, I, I think there are many things that you could do that will turn that into an asset instead of a liability. It's just going to take a little creativity and uh, get some ideas together. Call me back sometime, and I'll I'll come up with some other ideas as well for you. I appreciate your time. Always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Right. <laughs> Goodbye. Gloria's next. Good morning, Gloria. Hi, Bob. Hi. Uh, I just uh, want to uh, pick up on some of the callers that have been calling you on uh, <clears throat> on uh, aerating and all that stuff, compost. Right. I think I've read enough, but I'm, I'm, you're the only one that has said that it's uh, not that important to aerate because that was the prime question, uh, not question, but uh, concern that I've had that, you know, it needed to be aerated all the time. So I was figuring out a schedule to aerate, like, um, every season. Well, here's the thing. Now that I heard you. For the people that are putting out synthetic (laughs) chemical fertilizers, uh, Mm -hmm. the Scotts product and lots of those things, (laughs) they are creating a thatch problem in their yard because these fertilizers and the chemicals that are in them kill out the microbes that would normally be breaking the thatch down. They are making their soils much harder because chemical synthetic chemical fertilizers tend to burn the organic material out of the soil and to destroy the microbial life that softens and loosens that soil. Mm-hmm. So if you're on the standard, you know, nasty high nitrogen chemical stuff that Home Depot and every other box store in town sells, yeah, mm-hmm. aerating is probably necessary because you're helping with the aeration and then you're undoing all the good you did by putting those products out there. If you are on an organic program, 
you are supporting the life in the soil, which is softening the soil, which is aerifying the soil naturally, which is breaking down the grass clippings so that you never have a thatch buildup. And so for the people that just insist on using these uh, toxic chemicals, yeah, aeration is probably a real good plan. Organic gardeners don't have to worry about it because they're not you know, compaction's no longer a big issue as long as you're not planning, you know, parking a moving van on top of it. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just an unnecessary expense because um, you're doing it naturally with organic fertilizers, with compost, things mm-hmm. like that. And the whole idea is just to soften the soil, get oxygen and water down into it. And that's what organics do. It just, um, I, I mean, there's nothing... If you if you had just the hardest, nastiest, worst soil in the world, yeah, you might want to aerify one time. You'd want to use a core aerifier that actually pulls out little plugs of soil. But I just have never seen it necessary, and you don't want to know how many yards and other things I've looked at in the years that I've both, you know, studied what's going on. I'm an old research biologist by training. That's what my degree is in, and uh, that's what. So uh, I I can tell you all the whys of it. And my seminar next Saturday is all about maintenance and weed control. And I'll be talking a lot about the science behind exactly the question you're asking. So if you want to come over, I'd love to have you. This morning's seminar is everything about pruning. But uh, just just spend your money on good organic fertilizer instead of paying somebody to aerify it. Well, good. I'm glad. I've started uh, an organic program ever since I've... uh learned about it from just hearing you and Dr. Dirt. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, you know, I've, I've been happy with it and I've been sticking to it. So, yep. uh, you know, I, I know it's benefits <laughs> and uh, it's it's just uh, great. Well, and it's great to hear from you. You pour a cool drink and sit out there and watch your, watch your neighbors doing unnecessary work and smile about the good yard you've got going. God, yeah, aerifying is... Years ago. But uh, no, organic is is the best, and Good. I've been doing that for uh, a few years now. And so um, I'll stick to the organic. And, and I had scheduled a guy to come in every eight, no. and uh, because I did that about two years ago. But they came with us with a wheel that had needles, mm-hmm. and they barely, you know, did anything to no. to the ground. And that's that's called a dibbler rather than a core aerifier, and it does more damage than good. Call him and tell him you changed your mind. It's uh, <laughs> you're doing the right thing, Glory. I'm sure glad you called me this morning. Yeah, and another thing I wanted to ask you, I, I, you, you also answered me the one on pruning because I know it's time to prune, and I haven't pruned, and I'm worried about it. What would be the 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 best time to do it now? And well, that's that's right? a big question, and that's why I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about okay. it. Green shrubs um, is now is a good time to prune. Summer flowering shrubs like crepe myrtles now is a good time to prune. Your things that bloom in the spring like Indian hawthorn, spirea, um, primrose jasmine, flowering quince. Uh, all of those things, you want to let them bloom first because if you prune them now, you're cutting off the buds. So if things flower in the spring, let them finish blooming and then prune. But green shrubs and things are going to bloom on new wood in the summer like crepe myrtles and altheas. Um, yeah, all those things can be pruned today, and it would, it's going to be a great day to be pruning. Yeah. And uh, one more thing. Um, I had uh, contracted a, a guy that would that would come and do the aerating and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some of these companies have uh, 
people that don't know nothing about uh, <laughs> about you know gardening or, or landscaping. Well, this is a landscaping company, and he has sort of you know. Uh, uh, like three or four guys that came, cut the grass and mm-hmm. and uh, put some fertilizer yeah. on, on my grass. And uh, I was worried because I said, no, I needed to aerate. He said, no, no, you don't need to aerate. He said, which was, this was the owner. And then uh, later on, he said um, that uh, it would be okay to fertilize and, and then aerate. But and and he has a date with me to come and do that. No, tell him so, tell him that you've changed uh, your mind. This, this one time, but I'm going to uh, you know uh, follow your advice, and then uh, but the fertilizer that he put on my lawn, you know, I wanted the um, the the manure mm-hmm. fertilizer, and he said, oh, I'll bring you some manure fertilizer. It'll uh, it'll smell a lot. Your 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 neighbors will. We'll be asking you, you know, what's that smell and what happened? And they said, well, I've had that before. And I said, they don't really seem to care because it only lasts a few days. And uh, But he brought me, or they brought me, the, the guys that worked with him, something that didn't even smell. And, and, and it just, uh, it was just like um, like your regular fertilizer. Now I'm worried if they put some, some uh, inorganic uh, fertilizer. Well. Always get the name. There are organic fertilizers that are totally, you know, odor-free. Nature's Creation makes some that are based on alfalfa rather than on manures, and they have a very pleasant smell if they have any smell at all. I would be concerned that these guys are not as honest as we might wish that they were, and hopefully they just don't know better. But unless you can give me a, a name of the fertilizer, I really can't tell you what it is. Oh, I will. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for him to call because they've been so busy doing doing you know their landscaping jobs well, yeah, right and, now, and uh, um, so I'm waiting for him to return my call, and then I'll ask him what he put down you know on, yep. as a fertilizer. Sure. Well, you know, because that's my main concern right absolutely. now. Absolutely. Well, you don't need to airify, and you call me anytime you have questions, Gloria. Oh, you're so sweet, Bob. You're the sweetest thing in San Antonio. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I appreciate the compliment. Uh, we're going to talk to Marcy, Mary, and Trudy, and Marcy is first. Good morning, Marcy. Good morning. Good morning. I have a dilemma. I'm in Natalia, Texas, between Natalia and Divine. Okay. And I have a lot of weeds growing, and I wanted to kind of put some grass down, and I'm a little confused. Do I compost with the new soil, or do I put, and what kind of grass? How much sunlight do you have in your yard and areas? Have a lot. It's, it's pretty good, yeah. Okay. If you have bright sun, then you can put down Bermuda grass, which is uh, nice because it's far less expensive. You can put it down by seed. It's a little too early. We've got to wait till the soil and the weather get warmer. But uh, Bermuda grass is your least expensive option, and uh, it's a nice drought-tolerant grass. If you would rather have a little softer grass and a grass that will never have chiggers in it that, uh, you know, loves the sun, there is a variety of St. Augustine, which is called Floratam, F-L-O-R-A-T-A-M. It was developed jointly by Texas A&M and the University of Florida. That's where the name Floratam comes from. You would put it down from little squares. You can just plant in among your other, and it will gradually dominate. All you're going to do for the weeds and things is just mow them down. But um, the the only thing that you could overseed with would be the Bermuda, and it's way too early. We're probably not going to.
going to be doing that till May. But if you've decided you want to improve the grass in this area and you want to do it now, um, and uh, like I say, with St. Augustine, you can go with Floritam. If you want to go with Bermuda, you can buy Bermuda sod, and you can put that down at this time of year, but it's just too early to be doing the seed. But what about all the seed, I mean, all the spurs and all the... Mow them off. Um, there's nothing that you can do to kill them. Um, what what kind of grass do you have there in addition to the weeds? Uh, mostly weeds and just like that Texas grass. It's just, you know, okay. a little bit of everything. Okay. You know, weird. Well, if you want to go through and spray something that will kill the weeds, it won't hurt Bermuda grasses or Texas native grasses that are dormant now. You can make yourself a mixture. Uh, go to the store, get a gallon of strong vinegar, and get some orange oil. You put about two ounces of orange oil to a gallon of vinegar. Works just like Roundup, but not nearly so dangerous and doesn't hurt your trees and things. And it will literally kill the green weeds, the dandelions, the winter grass, all those things. Uh, it'll pretty much get rid of them overnight. I would prefer just to mow them down and then work yeah. on, you know, building a permanent grass there that's going to choke the weeds out so they're not so much of a problem in the future. But if you're looking to kill it out, you can do it with orange oil and vinegar. But uh, my yard, and I have plenty of weeds, too, because I don't water. I don't, uh, uh, we're up in the hill country where I, <laughs> we just don't yeah. have enough water to do all that. And I have a very big yard. But I just tend to mow the mow the weeds down as the weather gets warmer, the Bermuda grass comes out and uh, pretty much takes over. And uh, I have a nice yard. But what about, and it'll kill all those stickers? Because that's, that's why I can't grow any grass right now because it seems like all I have is I'm growing just nothing but spurs and stickers. Well, those things, they are going to sprout. The sticker burrs are going to sprout. They're an annual grass. They're totally dead now. So mm-hmm. wouldn't do any good if you, if you tried to kill them because they're going to sprout back from the seeds that you will never, you know, get rid of all of them. So, um, your your best bet is going to be to get some good grass established and growing. You just have to figure out what kind of grass you like best. But for now, if I use, if I use the Bermuda, said so just wait and put the seeds down, or wait. put some of the sods down. Yeah, I would put the seed down in May if you want the okay. easiest and least expensive way. If you want to do something today, you can get some sod and you know cut it up in little squares and plant it through there. But but your weeds and things now, you're, you're just throwing your money away to be out spraying for those things. Just mow them off, um, and uh, we'll talk in a little while about, uh, you know, when it warms up a little bit more, about what your best options for getting some good grass established are down in your area. And I can put some of that new earth uh, compost now? Absolutely. Would that help? That will okay. help build the soil and get ready for your other grasses. Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Marcy. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Hey, um, we have been uh, clearing some cedar off of our property. Okay. And we have, um, I have two questions. Um, one is in one area, I have um, quite a few agurita bushes. Okay. They're real lanky and ugly, and I hate those things. Um, <laughs> we've cut them down, yep. but I, I'm wondering if I can pour like some of that 20% vinegar down the base of them and see if they'll 
It'll kill them. That won't kill them. Uh, you're you're wasting your time, unfortunately, there. What else is around that area? Do you have oaks? Do you have other good plants that you want to save? I have the oaks. Okay. Uh, like three large oaks, so that's why I didn't want to you know, use anything right. to harm them. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, you're going to get some exercise. Get a grub and hoe because there's nothing that you can safely put on there um, that will kill them without doing damage to other things. Now, here's, here is another option, and that is cut them down to ground level. I take it these, uh, these agarita take up a relatively small amount of the area you have out there? Um, it's about like a, it, it, they're pretty prominent in this one particular area, mm-hmm. and I'd say maybe like, maybe like, go oh, 15 feet by 15 feet. There's like, there's, like several large plants that have kind of grown up in between the cedars and stuff. Okay. If I were going to do my best to get rid of them, what I would do is I'd cut them down as low as I can. I'd use a grubbing hoe to chop them down as close to the ground as possible. This is one place where I think you would be okay on a temporary basis to cut some squares for that weed block fabric, probably four feet by four feet, and put over individual stumps of the agarita, or for that matter, if you wanted to, you could get a big sheet of the weed block fabric, put it down over the entire area where you have all of these, put some mulch over the top, leave it there for a year. By that time, the agarita will almost certainly have died out. You can then pull the weed block up and you know, let the things you like, the evergreen sumac, the native grasses, the wildflowers, whatever. But in this case, um, uh, you could do the same thing, smothering with about 10 layers of cardboard. If you had some old roofing shingles or something like that, you could put those down two layers thick. I would just be covering the ground above those agarita stumps with something that's just going to shut them down. And the cheapest thing, and like I say, I don't recommend its use for blocking weeds because it really doesn't do that good a job but uh i'm just gonna cut them down as close to the ground level as i can i'm gonna put some weed block over them for one season only and i think you'd be totally rid of them why just one season is that i don't think i think that's all you'll have to do after that you can pull the weed block up and then uh let your native grasses and flowers and things that you like come back even stronger 